We're going to be reading from Psalm 112, 4 to 11. I'm just going to be picking up on a theme which I believe the Lord is trying to emphasize in our church at the moment. All right, Psalm 112, I'm reading from verse 4. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it will go forth with power and authority, O Lord. We speak destruction to any enemy that would try to stop this word from reaching the spirits, hearts and minds of those within the sound of my voice. Thank you, Father, that this word will resonate throughout the earth and bring life wherever life is needed, which is pretty much everywhere, in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. I'd like to just focus on this word here. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Right? He will guide his affairs with discretion. And you'll see the result of that discretion is security, right? He will never be shaken. Throughout the Bible you'll see that. Discretion and not being shaken actually fit together. Now, the title of this message is Learn to Discern. Learn to Discern. There's a connection between this term discern and discretion. All right? What is discretion? When you and I, as we've said before here, Guide our affairs with discretion, we make right choices. That's essentially it. Your and my life is a collection of choices. Right? The result of choices. As we make good choices, our lives improve. As we make bad choices, our lives deteriorate. It's that simple. Right? Discretion now is being able to make the right choices, essentially. And that word discern and discretion come from the same root word. And the essence of it is to separate, all right, to separate. In the old days when we used to go out to my uncle's farm, they used to have this big metal apparatus in the kitchen, and they had cows, and they put the raw milk into this big apparatus, and it was called a separator. And then you used to, I don't know if anybody knows this, but you used to turn this big wheel. Oh, my soul, quite a lot of work, but they used to do it. And what would happen? The cream would be separated from... The milk, you see, separation. The essence of discerning is being able to separate. A lot of information comes our ways. The key to making the right decisions is to use the right information, to act on the right information with wisdom. Do the right thing with the right information. We've spoken about this a number of times. That's discretion. But before you and I can operate with discretion, we have to be able to discern. I mean, how many of us realize that all the information that comes your way does not necessarily come from God? <laughs> In fact, I think the percentage is somewhere between the range of 98 and 99.99 percent of it comes straight from the pit. We are bombarded all the time with bad information. I mean, but our duty is now to discern, right? Separate that which is right, that which is wrong, and operate on the basis of that which is. Right. Well, we've spoken about this many times, and I'm sure we will grasp that now. So you see, God wants you and I to be discerning. Not to be fools, but to be wise. Not to just operate on the base of any information that comes our way. All right? But to discern. And discern correctly. To discern correctly. 
The Bible speaks in the gifts of the Holy Spirit about the gift of discernment. And many people think, oh, it's just discerning whether it's an evil spirit or not. Well, that's a very important thing to be able to discern. But you see, discernment is much broader than that, actually. What I want us to grasp is that it's so important that we learn how to discern. You see, if we learn how to discern, then we can operate with discretion. We separate the information that's good from that which is unnecessary, and then we're able to operate correctly, make the right decisions. Just to illustrate that, I'll give out a common scenario in the life of, I think, just about any pastor. But you have this young lady comes to you and says, Pastor, I've met this wonderful man. Okay, terrific. Tell me about him. Well, he's rich. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. He drives a big car. That's fantastic. He's got a nice house. That's wonderful. Okay, so what's happening? Well, um, are you going to get married to him? Um, yes, that's the plan. That's the plan. Okay, that's awesome. Tell me a bit more about this knight in shining armor that's come to sweep you off your feet and take you into the future of happiness ever after. Well, um, he's a bit older than me. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Not a problem. Can you tell me something else about the man? Well, you see, he's been married three times. Oh, that's very interesting. And now the last marriage... No, he hasn't quite terminated that yet, but he's going to, he's going to, he promised me he's going to. Oh, that's very interesting, I see. What else would you like to tell me about him? Does he go to church? He used to when he was a boy. <laughs> he used to when he was a boy, and he's planning to go one of these days. He says, we'll go one of these days. Oh, fantastic. Anything else I need to know? Um, well, he has a bit of a drinking problem. But he promised me he's going to give it up. At that stage in the conversation, the pastor gets very quiet. Amen. Now you see what happened is the person came to get the pastor's blessing. And although I'm very quiet, they gather very quickly that this blessing is not going to be forthcoming, you understand. But they'll go ahead and do it anyway, all right, and reap the consequences. Now what is that? Lack of discretion. Amen? Lack of discretion. No discernment. You see, no discernment. Amen? I had a case very similar to that, not exactly. And the lady said, do you think I should get married to him? Not fond of my son. Do you think I should marry him? Now listen to the answer. It's not for me to decide who you marry and who you don't. Do you understand? Affairs of the heart is every person's individual prerogative. But what I said to you is this. Yes, whatever you do, just do it the right way. Amen? Just go about it the right way, being God's way. If you do it God's way, it'll work out, you see. If you do it the right way, it'll work out. Can I just say something? The right way is not to shack up before you get married. Amen? That's not the right way. Can I just say something unequivocally? If a man says he loves you, but wants to sleep with you before you get married, he doesn't really love you. Can you all say amen? amen? That kind of love is not the kind of love that goes on until death us do part. Amen? I hope you're grasping the strength fire. But you see, what's the problem? The Bible says that like a ring of gold in the snout of a pig is a beautiful woman who doesn't operate with discretion. That's it. That describes it exactly. Like a ring of gold in the snout of a pig. I mean, only God could come up with that illustration. 
That is a beautiful girl who lacks discretion. Something beautiful has been defiled. Amen. Amen. Why? No discretion. No discretion. Unable to discern. This is not the man for me. All right? You understand? That's really what it is. We've got to be able to discern. But it's not just in those issues. It's everyday life. Who you deal with in the business world. The biggest gift a person can have is that gift of discernment. Not everybody who comes and offers you a beautiful deal actually means it. Amen? Has anybody discovered that? Alright? As they say in the financial world, if it sounds too good to be true, it normally is. Amen? It normally is. There's a lot of sharks out there. And they all come looking pretty good. There was a bank that swept the world at one stage. They had such wonderful buildings. Do you know that? Such wonderful operating systems. People who came in there felt like royalty because everything was plush. Right? The interest rates were fantastic. The costs were low. This bank swept the world. It got into many nations that would never have any other bank except some very wise nations. What was that bank about? It was operating totally on non-existent money. Did you know that? And what happens to a bank that's operating on non-existent money? It's not really a bank. So people who left the established banks, not that they're much better, and were swept into this good deal that looked so wonderful for these wonderful officers, beautiful people serving them, so friendly, so happy, everything was so good, Overnight, guess what happened? Kiss your money goodbye. Alright? What was the problem? No discretion. No discernment. Are you hearing me? There are banks like that operating in our country today. No names mentioned. Amen? It's just a matter of time before they go belly up and hopefully none of us are involved. But listen, we've got to operate with discretion, okay, in the affairs of life. And I think we all know that, and I don't want to go into too much detail about that. But discernment and discretion goes beyond that. And that's what I want to share. The point is, you and I can learn to discern. Amen? We have to learn it. We have to be prepared to learn how to discern. When you and I are young, growing up, that's a big problem. We don't really have enough information to be able to discern. That's why we need parents, generally speaking. But you see, discernment is something we can learn. Can you all say amen? We're not born with it or not born with it. If you and I are open and we understand what it is, we can learn it. Like all the things of God, they can be learned. Alright? Hungry heart can learn them. You can learn how to chase demons away. Amen? You may not know how to do it. And when you don't know how to do it, those demons can make you afraid and scared. But dear God, when you know what to do, oh my soul, you can stand up and give them what for. Amen? I'll share an example. I'm stuck there. God knows how I got into places like this. Dear me, Graham, please. But it's the lunatic. You mustn't say that. The lunatic asylum. No, 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 no. What, what's the correct euphemism for a place of uh, medication where people are not quite there in their brain? The lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're there. It's like, you know, being in hell itself. But these people are just roaming around. They, they actually pick them up off the street like madmen. They put them in the back of this truck and like cattle. They bring them to this facility. And they just drug them. But they're all walking around, walking around like zombies. So anyway, this friend of mine, black pastor, he had an opening there. We went to preach. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine <laughs> preaching to a whole lot of people that's wandering around like lunatics? Well, they are lunatics, dear God. Anyway, so I go into the little foyer there and I start to preach. You see, God knows what I spoke about. I don't know, but something about the love of God. This one individual from outside, he comes roaring in like a wild animal. Poor little Graham. Poor little Graham's a foot. At least I know enough to know that those things are under my feet. So I said, the blood. The blood. The blood. The blood of Jesus. And this thing came from right up to my face. And then guess what happened? Your dad's been in places, Tim, that you won't believe. But anyway, <laughs> right in my face. Now the key is not to be afraid. Can you all say me? I discerned that this was an evil spirit. <laughs> genius, Graham, genius. <laughs> the blood, the blood. And it, it went like this. <gasps> and then it started to just go down, go down. Eventually it was on the ground. And what did Graham do? Took this foot, put it on him, carried on preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. But anyway, what I'm just saying is, those things are under our feet. But you discern them, they're under our feet. Are you hearing me? But we've got to know that. You have to know that. If you don't know that, <gasps> run off, you see? And the devil wins. Not allowed. But we've got to be discerning. We've got to be able to detect. And we're going to talk about it. But there's another area of discernment. You see, it's something we can learn. And what we need to do is discern, not just evil spirits, but the spirit of God. Remember, discerning is to separate, all right? God has to use people. I hope everybody's grasped that. We can't just sit and wait for the Holy Spirit to waft in and do something. We have to do something, you see? And every human being is, let me just say this, not perfect. If there's anyone here who is perfect, I will sit down, shut up, and just hand over. Amen? My point is nobody's perfect, but God uses us anyway. What I'm just trying to say is that, you see, when you and I are dealing with people, especially in the church, amen, especially in the church, we have to learn to discern what is God and what is man. Amen. The big danger is, as young Christians, what we often do is confuse the two. So here we've got this great man of God, and we look up to this man of God, and the man of God fails, and guess what? Oh, I'm leaving God. Understand? That's happened on so many occasions. The big danger in the church is when we submit to this cult of personality, all right? Where the individual actually replaces God. Please just bear with me. There's something we as mature Christians have got to learn. We need to learn to discern. Now, please, it's nothing new. James. Many of you will probably have heard of James in the Bible. It's quite a common name in the Bible. It actually should have been translated Jacob. But for reasons we will not go into right now, Jacob has become James. Right? In the same way as Joshua has become Jesus. But anyway, the point is this. There was an individual, and he was the brother of the Lord. Okay? The brother of the Lord, Yeshua. Okay, so here we've got little, let's call him Kurs. <laughs> Kurs is growing up with his brother, Joshi. Okay? Joshi is the anointed one. But he doesn't know that. Because they're just kids. You understand? 
playing with mud, etc. Right? They get older, and now Joshi becomes anointed with the power of God because he's the son of God. He's now Yeshua. And Joshi, Yeshua, comes home, you see, after doing all these wonderful things all over the countryside. And there, little Kursi looks at his big brother, Joshi. And Joshi is supposed to be this great man of God. And Kursi looks at him and says, uh-uh, no, no, he's just Joshi. Do you understand? He's just my brother. Why are you picking this up? What was he not doing? He was not discerning who he actually was. Can you see? He saw his brother as his brother, not as the son of God. Quite understandable. Quite understandable, you see. He hadn't discerned the spirit of God on him because of familiarity. And the Bible's very clear. In his hometown, the Lord couldn't do any miracles, really great miracles, because of the unbelief. Can you see? Everybody saw him as just, you know, Joshi. He's here and he's trying to be a big deal. Ah, his brothers once went, they had to go up to the feast in Jerusalem. They said to him, oh, aren't you going to go to the feast, big deal? You know, go and show off in Jerusalem what you're doing here. That's how they treated him. That's how they treated They couldn't discern the difference between the anointing on the man and the man. Are you picking this up? Now they went off to the feast because they had to. He came later and he stirred everything up. Now that's how Kursi was to start off with. Okay. But listen to this. The Lord, his brother, got crucified on the cross. And after that happened, it brought a big change in James's heart. You know, once his brother had been sacrificed, from there on he never referred to him as his brother. He called him the my Lord. He fasted. He stopped eating. For days, he was so shocked by the revelation which he had missed his whole young adulthood. You understand? He had missed it. And James became one of the preeminent apostles. He wasn't perfect, but James eventually became the leading apostle in Jerusalem. Did you know that? When everybody else, because of persecution, left, James remained there. He remained there and kept the church together. And there were times when they had good governors that tolerated the church, but then the time came when they had a bad governor and he persecuted the church. Do you know what they did to James? The person who wrote the book of James as we know it. They took him to the top of that same temple where the Lord was tempted to jump. But this time he wasn't tempted to jump. He got no option. They pushed him off, threw him off. He fell on the ground. They didn't kill him. Do you know that? What a way to go as a man of God. Oh Lord, spare me. And it took one of his followers to take a club and kill him because he was suffering so badly. That's how he died. For the name of the person that he referred to as oh, Joshua. Can you see? He learned to do what? Discern. Can you see that? He learned to discern. You and I need to learn to discern. Something else very beautiful about James. When they buried him, you know what they found on his knees? Calluses. They called him camel knee. You know where those calluses were from? Pray. He prayed so much for the church. Isn't that wonderful? What a testimony. The book of James, I tell you what, a very challenging book. But the point I'm trying to make is that James didn't become James. He had to learn something. He had to learn to discern. You all grasp that, you see. And we as children of God need to learn to discern. You see? 
especially when it comes to dealing with men of God and the authority in our lives. Amen. We need to separate, remember, discernment is separation, the man from the anointing on his life. Amen. The man from the anointing. Why is it so important? Because we submit to the anointing, but we're not serving the man. Have you all got that? It's a common problem in the church. There was a time when Paul had to rebuke the people because they had become different cults of personality. I'm for Apollos, I'm for Paul, I'm for Christ. A whole lot of different people serving the same God, but what the big mistake they'd made. They were following personalities, you see. We have a big problem with that in this world of ours. There are big personalities. Now, please, I'm not trying to undermine any great men of God. Praise God for them. How they managed to stand with the pressure with having big ministers like that, I don't know. But you see, the problem is very often they don't withstand it. It happens so often. We've had occasions where great men of God have fallen. I'm not criticizing them because I can understand how it can happen. But you see, what is our response as mature children of God? Oh, because they fall, I'm not going to serve God anymore. I've heard that more than once. Amen? I've heard that more than once. But how stupid. What's the problem? They're failing to discern. Are you hearing me? The anointing and the man. The man is merely a human being. But we must respect the anointing. Are you hearing me? We don't worship the man, but we respect the anointing. Amen? Amen. Now let me just explain how it works on a daily basis with you and I. Not that I'm planning to be the great ministry out there, but you see, any church is involved with a process of operating, right? which involves being the carriers of the particular anointing God wants to have amongst his people. Did you know that? You and I all need various anointings in our lives. What do I mean by that? We need to expose ourselves to a teaching anointing. Did you know that? To a prophetic anointing. Did you know that? We need to have the courage to be exposing ourselves to being slapped around every now and then. Because we need it. Amen? We need it. Left to our own devices, what are we going to do? Go with the way we feel. Have you heard that before? I feel. I feel. Dear God, did God speak to you or did you feel? Do you understand the difference? There's a big difference. Oh, I feel led. Dear God, I also feel led. But very often I feel led to go to the fridge at night and discover the great treasures therein. Nobody else here is like that. I know, but that happens to me. But is that God telling me? Because I feel, oh, God spoke to me. Graham, you need some chocolate. 12 o'clock at night. That's the kind of voice I hear very readily. <laughs> the only answer is to make sure there's no chocolate in the fridge. But you understand, we're not supposed to go around by, oh, I feel. We're supposed to hear God. I don't know why I got onto this, but the point is we need to expose ourselves to somebody who will teach this to us so we know. You understand? Behave yourself. Dear God, don't marry that person. You're being a fool. I can tell you something, you know, this is an illustration I love to use. I've got a friend, he's one of these characters, well, he's no longer really a friend, he's an associate, very fine man, but he's one of these people that's always involved with some new scheme. Do you know what I mean by scheme? And it's always, always a pyramid scheme of some description. You know, you have to go to the left and to the right. You know the whole story, but anyway, 
he comes to me and he wants to say hello. I haven't seen him for years. He was in our church at one stage, a leading elder, which wasn't saying much if you've only got three people. But anyway, he came to visit me and he said, I've got this deal. And he put it this way, don't you need money in the church? I said, well, that's always a problem. Yes, we do. Oh, well, then I said, well, what's the angle? He said, well, you know, we've got this system, this chemical. You throw it into your petrol tank and you know what? It reduces your petrol consumption considerably. Now, you see, to a naive imbecile like myself, when it comes to this sort of thing, I thought, well, that's wonderful. I was more interested in everybody having cheaper petrol, you know, which is good help nowadays. But I thought, let me just run it through somebody who knows about these things, being Rolf here. It took Rolf exactly five seconds to say, this is another one of those schemes, and he's had about 3,000 in his lifetime. You understand? He had an anointing on his life to help me, is what I'm trying to say. Of course I listened to the man. Don't you listen to him? <laughs> Rolf, speak into the mic. Does Sharon listen to you on every occasion? Don't answer that question. Okay. <laughs> but what am I saying? You see, we need to expose ourselves to different anointings. Amen. Growing up, guess what we need? Affirmation above all else. A child in the most desperate of circumstances gets affirmation to rise to the top. Amen. What did God design for that affirmation to flow through? Primarily parents. Okay, parents. Parents. Father and mother. There's a father anointing. There's a mother anointing. Did you know that? We need it. We need it. Godly anointing. To grow wholesome, we need that. I was stripped from that at a young age because of boarding school and I paid a terrible price for it. Amen. Now you see, in this world that we live, is every family all hunky-dory with godly father and godly mother growing up praising God? Would it be the case? But unfortunately, it's not. And as a result, we have many, many young people who are not exposed to that anointing. So they cannot get the affirmation they need. And as a result, guess what happens? They go off the rails. Not because they're bad kids, but because they haven't had the right paradigm exposed to them. Are you hearing me? Now what I want to share with you is this. We have to discern. Okay, we have to discern. This is my point. And we're all involved with this. You don't have to be a pastor or a pastor's wife, God forbid, to be involved with this. But we're all involved with the parenting of one another. All right? Especially the strays that come our way. Are you hearing me? But please, because you and I might be, in a sense, a fatherly anointing to somebody does not mean you are their father. Amen. Amen. We have to discern, distinguish between the two. The other thing we have to discern is this. That anointing operates for a specific period of time. Amen. We have to discern when that time is up, even as parents. Do you know something? There does come a time. When your precious child <laughs> no longer needs dad. <laughs> I, mean, I hope you're picking this up. And if you try to be dad to this little man, shame. Oh, he hates it. That's why I do it. <laughs> Timothy. <laughs> Are you understanding? What do we need? Discernment. The man is now grown up. Out the house, boy. Amen. 
Do it on your own. You don't need me anymore. Although we always need each other. You understand? It's not like you cut off. But we've got to learn how to discern. Kenneth Copeland says you're moving to being his spiritual brother. That's right. It's more a brother than a, than a father, a friend, you see. Okay. But you see, you've got to discern that. People sometimes really need a mother. You always need somebody to talk to. But let me just say something. You've got to be careful who you offload to or who you talk to. All right? Because if you get the wrong anointing, you know, there's a saying. Telegram in the old days. Telephone. Tell a woman. But what I'm trying to get at is, please, people, we've got to recognize the different anointings. And as mature Christians, that's what I'm trying to get at, we've got to learn to discern. How do you learn to discern? Well, I've got a few points I'm going to just share with you now that will help you now. We're all developing this ability. Can you all say amen? As young people, very often we can't discern. That's why we make big mistakes. All right? That's how it is. But how can we avoid these mistakes just as we grow in this whole process? Right? The first thing, obviously, I need to say is that we need to infiltrate our mind with the Word of God. We've been through this so many times. Renewing our mind. You see, when you and I renew our mind to the way God thinks, when something comes along our way, we immediately are capable of discerning, no, that's not God. Are you hearing me? That's not God. God is for life. Did you know that? God is the bringer of life. Mm -hmm. So when a young lady goes to the minister, this actually happened in our community, God forbid, and says, I'm pregnant and I'm not married. And that minister says to her, from what I've learned at theological college, the current understanding is that you have the right. Do you understand? You have the right. It's your human right to decide. Oh good, I can go and kill my baby. Thank you. Now you see, if you know that God is life and you spend time in the Word, when somebody, whoever it is, comes and says that sort of thing to you, you're able to discern. That is straight from the pit. Amen. I'm not listening to that. Are you hearing me? You see, now you and I, as we continually renew our minds to the Word of God, not every situation is as obvious as that. But when you and I are training our minds all the time to think the way God thinks, when something comes our way, even if it looks Bible, let me just say this, we just smell a rat. Amen? We are equipped to discern. There are a lot of deceptive voices out there, and a lot of them, unfortunately, come through what is known as the church. There's a counterfeit church in the earth. There always has been. Did you know that? A prostitute church, a counterfeit church. I remember walking on one of my hikes and the Lord spoke to me and he said, in the days gone by, there was the old maid church. You see, the old traditional church where it was just the same old, same old, stuck in the rut, no Holy Spirit, nothing, just do it our way. Which did have a time, right? But that time has passed and became like an old maid in thinking of so many people. And so many people, especially young people, rebelled against that. And they ran off to other big churches. The Lord said, there's a danger in that as well, because the old maid has become a flashy prostitute. Amen. 
Am I saying all big churches are wrong? No, not at all. Dear God, no. No. But we have to learn to do what? Learn to discern. All right? Learn to discern. It's very important to learn to discern what we expose ourselves to. Can you say amen? You see, that's the word. The next thing that will help you and I to learn to discern is in any situation, you find yourself in a situation, instead of rushing to make a decision, just stand back. Amen? Just stand back. It speaks about discernment in the church. Things are happening. You can easily say, no, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong. No, no. Rather, instead of just jumping in and trying to solve a problem or so you think, just step back and just give the Holy Spirit space. All right? Space. Without the Holy Spirit, you and I will not be able to discern. Amen? Because inevitably we'll end up operating according to our feelings. Amen? And I'm here to tell us that our feelings are deceptive. They are deceptive. A classic example, in the service and the man's rolling on the floor. Our feeling is to go, oh, shame, shame, shame. And very often, you know what the answer is? God is busy, step back and let him finish what he has to do. Don't interfere. You understand? But how will you know that? Only if you step back and say, Holy Spirit, what must I do now? And sometimes these answers don't do a thing. I'm busy. Are you hearing me? We have to give space. We have to give space if we're hoping to discern. We have to give space. See, and if our minds have been renewed to the word, we're in a position to actually pick up what God is saying. Amen? We're in a position to pick up what God is saying. Which leads to the next point. You and I need to develop that relation with God on an ongoing basis. The only way you'll be able to discern is when God talks to you in your heart and you know his voice and you recognize it's his voice. Amen? I've often been in a situation. When God put this word in my spirit, I said, um, can we talk about something else? <laughs> you understand? But I know his voice so well that I knew that that's what he wanted to do. So I said, okay, well, I'll have to go with it. Are you hearing me? We learn to discern, and very often God puts you in a place where you don't want to do it, but you know it's his voice and you do it. You have to discern, and that's his voice. Because if you don't, could lead to a big lot of trouble. Okay, the last thing I need to say with dealing with discernment, be ready to learn from others. Amen? Especially those who've gone ahead. Because somebody is older than us doesn't mean they're wiser necessarily. But the chances are, if they've been walking with God, that they will be. Are you hearing me? Especially in matters where you and I get emotionally involved. Okay, where the pull is to do something and it sounds good. Very often the best thing is to put yourself out of the picture and get some advice. Don't have to take it necessarily, but just get it anyway. Why? It helps you and I to discern. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors there is protection. Amen? What is that about? It's helping us to navigate and to learn how to discern. Especially in areas when somebody has navigated it successfully as far as you can see. 
Am I going to get marriage counseling from somebody who's been divorced five times? Or somebody's managed to go for the long haul? Please, let me just say something. There are very fine marriage counselors who have unfortunately gone through that process and have successfully negotiated it. But what am I saying? Somebody who's successfully negotiated is the person to talk to. Do I go to a vendor on the side of the street to get some business understanding? Hmm? You'd be mad. <laughs> they probably know a lot more than you think. But what I'm just saying is, somebody who's been successfully doing it for some time, that's probably the right person to go and bounce your ideas off. That will help us to discern. Are you hearing me? We've got to be prepared to learn to discern. And the key is to realize we maybe don't know it all. I know it's difficult for many of us, quite difficult, but that's really the heart of it. You see, in any situation, we come to it, we know what the Word says, generally speaking, in this situation, Holy Spirit, let me step back and allow you to help me. But in all of these things, learn to discern, right? And then you see, when we have learned to discern and we act on the base of that discernment, we operate with discretion. Can you see that? Operate with discretion. And the Bible is very clear. If you and I consistently operate with discretion, it brings security in our lives. Then everything else, the banks are going belly up, and you just chuckle to yourself, the Lord warned me about that, and we keep going. Amen? You see lives falling apart, you don't chuckle, you cry, but you say, thank God I've been set free from that. I've got the right course. Are you hearing me? That's the plan for this body of Christ of ours to help every one of us to discern and become people of discernment. Right? People of discernment. So that we people that operate in discretion so that our lives are not derailed by wrong decisions, by messing up. Amen? Amen. We don't want that for anybody. But we have to pay the price and that is to learn how to discern, ask God for the wisdom, and become people of discretion in the mighty name of Yeshua. Can you all say amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen.